0: 68 hours after issuance cdkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
1: it's
2: the ross
1: tucker football podcast
2: oh yeah it is but it's not just any ross tucker football podcast it is a teaching tutorial thursday really it's a finish strong thursday to wrap up the week with our guy, Professor Greg Cosell. The most popular day of the week, the most popular episode of the week, because Greg is awesome. Been killing the NFL films for over 40 years, and this is rare. We almost always talk to Greg in his office at NFL Films in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Today, he's actually at the combine in his hotel room. So we'll get to Greg momentarily. We are presented by DraftKings. I'll let you know the winner of the Spread the Word contest. I still have so many awesome press passes. Maybe I can give you guys an update on the press passes I have. You can always get a signed picture or signed football card, but I got some awesome press passes that I want to give you guys uh, a little bit later on. I'm going to give out to a couple people. You'll know the rest of them. So we'll have the Spread the Word winner, the sponsor confirmation email winner, and the YouTube shout-out video. By the way, is really easy to win. There's only like one or two people even try for it every week. But you know how I like to roll on a Greg Cosell Thursday. Let's get right to him. It's big show time. The big show. All right, Greg. As mentioned, you are coming to us live via your iPad from your hotel room in Indianapolis. Let's just start with that, Greg. You know. Almost every time we talk to you, you're, you're at your office in Mount <laughs> Laurel. So for you to go to the Combine, you must feel like it's pretty valuable or that you get a lot out of it. Why are you there? Why do you go to the Combine? Well,
1: first of all, I, I get an opportunity to be in the Dome on the field to see the workouts, to see players up close. There's always some value in that. Um, I love being there, obviously, for the quarterbacks, which are the wide receivers, which is, is Saturday's workout. Um, So that uh, that's really helpful to me. And then it's just talking to a lot of people, Ross, you know, talking about uh, I've had two two great lengthy meetings already with uh, offensive coordinators and and quarterback coaches. And you learn a lot not only about how they see the quarterbacks in this draft, but just about pass game concepts in general, how you attack, you know. uh, All those kinds of conversations are really, really helpful for me because I'm always trying to learn that when I go back and watch tape, uh, something I heard resonates with me, I hear it a little differently. So even if it's not something that is totally brand new to me where I go, oh my God, I never even thought of that. Just the way a coach talks about it is way different than the may, maybe the way I think about it. And I, it just allows me to keep learning. And then I just keep meeting more and more people in the business. And that's the way you keep learning. You just keep learning by talking to more people and hearing more things.
2: You know, Greg, it's interesting. You are an intellectual. And, you know, a lot of people would think, really a football guy but there's just so much nuance and detail it's like you're playing chess yep but all 22 pieces are moving the whole time think about that think about like these great chess players that's what football is it's all 22 pieces are moving all the time that's the part of it that you really like isn't it
1: i love it Yeah, that's the part I really like. I love, you know, I had a conversation yesterday with an OC in the league, and we were just talking. I was asking him how, uh, you know, I love to find out, Ross, I guess, how things are taught you know, because I watch tape and you can see all the route concepts. I can see all the coverages. I love to know how things are taught because you see a route concept that's in everybody's playbook and you see it run from different personnel packages, different formations. I love to find out how that stuff's taught, you know, how you attack coverages. how you This stuff to me is fascinating because coaches think of it just the way you said, you know, they're not just out there saying, Oh, let's go out and play some football. You know, they, they take a lot of time working through this and, I love learning about those things. Then, of course, the draft players. I love having conversations about the players. And I've seen a good bunch of players already this year, probably more than I've seen up to this point in any given year with way way many more to go, as you know.
2: So we're going to get into um, sort of the, the next group of quarterbacks, if you will, or some more quarterbacks. There is some veteran player news I might get to with you. There's a bunch of news out, um, Greg. It's not good. As it relates to Jalen Carter, the defensive lineman for Georgia. You know, I never ask you to talk about the the off-the-field stuff or whatever because I know you don't care about that stuff or know about that stuff. But I do think in the context of me talking about it a little bit later in the show, and he was booked last night on these charges um, of reckless driving and racing, I, I think I want to put in, uh, into frame of reference what kind of player he is, because it sounds like a lot of people think he's the most talented player, best player in the draft.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I've heard a lot of things, you know, which I'm obviously not going to get into, but uh, I think more things will come out and then teams will have to decide if you want to take him that high. Um, but as a player. Um, I would say that he's a really, really good prospect. One of the things that I did notice this year, and I think this is really important, um, is that he started to play, as this season progressed, more and more snaps. So he's not one of those guys that play 20 snaps a game for Georgia. He started to play meaningful snaps over the last six, seven, eight games. Um, I would say probably 40 to 50 snaps a game, and I think that's really important. Um, You're dealing with a guy that has tremendous quickness, Tremendous body quickness, really good hand usage. So many times I would see him with arm over swim moves where he'd beat def- uh, offensive linemen. Um, he's got power to him. I mean, essentially, for a defensive tackle, he's a really good prospect. I remember watching Georgia's defense last year, Ross, when I think they had eight guys um, at the combine on defense and and maybe eight guys were drafted. And he was the player who stood out. He wasn't even coming out last year. But you, I'd come away from watching George's defense, and I watched the same games over and over and over because they had so many guys in the draft. And every time it would be, wow, 88's the guy that really stands out, even though he couldn't come out. So he is a high, high-level prospect as a player. There's no question about that.
2: Um, is he uh, – what type of D-tackle is he? Greg, is I there think- a good player comparison? Here? <clears throat> um, you know – He's big. He's not like an Aaron Donald, but he moves well. I'm trying to think. Is he like a Chris Jones? Maybe. Um,
1: I would say that he's he's not quite as big as Chris Jones, but I would say he's kind of naturally quicker than Chris Jones. Um, Chris Jones, you know, might be stronger, but I would say that Carter is naturally quicker with his with his body movement, his lateral quickness. Um, he can beat guys off the ball with quickness. Not that Chris Jones can't, but I think Carter's a more naturally quick player. Um, There is a player who, in this draft, who I I haven't seen enough of him. Um, I actually saw him yesterday and said hello to him because uh, you see the guys, you know, walking around. There is a player in this draft who did just, with a cursory look, remind me of Chris Jones, and that's a kid from Florida named Gervon Dexter. I don't know if you've heard that name.
2: I've heard the name, but I don't know a whole lot about him. Haven't watched him yet. And that's a cursory look. You
1: know, I haven't done him in detail, but my initial thought, because he's about 6'6", 315, and I saw him, and, boy, does he look like an athlete. You know, he. a lot of these guys, uh, you know, they don't look, you know, three 300 pounds when you see them. They look really well put together.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I, I think people would be stunned if they were there and they saw – um, really, how slender guys look, right? Like I know the football players. I know. um so last week, we talked about Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson. We didn't Greg really get into will Levis? Yeah, um, it feels like <laughs> Levis and Richardson are the two guys that people are most polarized on. It seems like there's people kind of know how they feel about Stroud and Young but Levis and Richardson are the two that man depending on who you talk to they have different opinions of what what do you see when you break down the tape of Kentucky's Will Levis
1: yeah Levis is interesting I watched him in detail last summer from his 2021 season and then I watched him in detail this year obviously from the 2022 season and in 2021 The offense, and there's probably many reasons for this that we don't know, but in 2021, the offense had a much more streamlined look. He could play far more rhythmically. He would get back. The ball came out. uh, He looked very timing-based. He's got a power arm, a compact delivery. Ball comes out. He's big. He's physical. He's competitive. He's a little stiff. um, But, you know, he looked very good in 2021. In 2022, for whatever reason, and the O-line was not very good, they had lost, I think, four guys to the NFL. Um, so they were only playing with one starter. Um, they lost uh, some, some uh, skilled players as well. For some reason, the offense didn't have the same f- fluid feel to it. And everything with Will Levis looked like a struggle, Ross. So the talent obviously doesn't change. The traits don't change. But now you have to decide... You know, what kind of player he is. Like I said, big arm, can make all the throws, um, willing to make throws. Uh, I think that, look, I think in an ideal world, and I had this conversation with a coach, he'd probably be a second round type player, but we know that that's not the way it works. So someone's going to draft him. um, I think he needs to be in a really defined system, put him under center, have Play action be a significant part of the pass game that defines reads. You're trying to generate as much primary read throws with Will Levis as you possibly can, Ross. That's really the goal if he has to play early.
2: So, but why wouldn't you say that about any quarterback?
1: You I mean, aren't say you trying
2: to give as many primary read throws for any Th- quarterback. That's
1: always the goal. Some can't do much beyond that. Others can. Right now, I don't think Will Levis can do much beyond that. And that's why it would be especially important for someone like him. Of course, you're always trying. That's what coaches do. It's funny you say that because that was part of a conversation I had with a coach. That's what they're trying to do. They're always trying to generate primary read throws. Sometimes that works beautifully. Other times it doesn't. And then what happens? Some quarterbacks, when that doesn't happen, they're done. The play's over. They can't do anything else for whatever the reason. Other quarterbacks can obviously then do other things
2: yeah it's interesting he's um I remember people at Penn State Greg telling me when he was a freshman and Tommy Stevens and Sean Clifford were competing for the starting job that if you just went to the practice and watched him throw, you would say, that's the kid over there oh, you know that's, and that's true that's the that because he looks physically great. I mean he's got a big arm. you know there were years I think I don't know if Clifford got hurt or what, but I remember against Ohio State. They brought him in and he probably ran for almost 100 yards, you know, as a power yep. runner, you know, as he's like power powers and stuff.
1: You know, I, I would say this. I think Levis, you can call design runs and he's good as a design runner, but he doesn't have very good pocket movement. Those are two different things. He's a little stiff in the pocket. He's a strong, physical, competitive runner, but as a pocket mover, which is something he's going to need to work on, that's not something at this point he does well, but – There's no question, Ross, and what you said about Penn State is 100% true. He is a compact, twitchy, effortless thrower. He can attack all three levels of the defense. He's super competitive. Um, I think he needs to work on touch and pace. He's more of a power thrower. But he will look really good throwing the football on Saturday here at the Combine.
2: That makes me nervous what you said about the pocket movement and stiffness. I don't know that many guys that improve that that much. That seems like a feel thing.
1: Yeah, that's why that's a little bit of a concern.
2: Um, The next two quarterbacks that we're going to talk about, Greg, I called some of their games. I called a a, a Clayton Toon game for Houston when they played at UConn in 2021, and I called uh, a Jake Hayner game for Fresno State when they played um, Colorado State. So let's start with Clayton Toon. Greg. What have you seen from him?
1: Yeah, Clayton Toon was really interesting to me. This was his third season under Daner Holgerson. Um, So obviously he should know that offense. But I thought in watching his tape, there was a tale of two seasons. The first half of the season, Toon struggled with his field vision, his route recognition versus coverage. I came away after I watched the first two or three games early in the season saying, God, he's been in this offense for this is his third year. It looks to me like he's struggling to understand the reads and where to throw the football. And then all of a sudden, as the second half of the season um, progressed, you know, and and you saw more games, he looked like a different quarterback, more decisiveness from the pocket, understanding where to go with the ball, turning it loose. He's got some mobility to him. Um, Overall, um, I I didn't come away feeling like, wow, this guy's a really good prospect. You know, Could he become a quality starter down the road? Maybe, depending on team, scheme, how he's coached, a lot of other factors. But I didn't see him as a guy that you would think, this guy's going to come in and and sooner than later would have a chance to start. He struck me as clearly a day three type pick.
2: What about Hayner, who (laughs) a lot of people were talking about as the best quarterback at the Senior Bowl? There was some buzz about him. I love Jay
1: Kainer. Now I know what he is. I know what he's, he's six feet two Oh eight, um, because he was at the senior ball. So we have the measurements, you know, relatively official. Um, Obviously, you would like taller, a taller quarterback, but we've accepted that quarterbacks are a little shorter. Um, historical president says that shorter quarterbacks don't normally you know, make it in this league. We're going to find that out with a lot of teams this year. Sam Howell looks like right now he'd be the starter for the commander. So we might find out about shorter quarterbacks. Clearly, Bryce Young is a shorter quarterback as well. Um, but I think Jay J.K. was one of the most fun watches. He is physically and mentally quick twitch. He's got a strong sense of timing and rhythm. The ball comes out. It shows up every single game. He is tough as nails. You have to go back to 2021 when Fresno state played at UCLA and he was hurt. I think he had an oblique injury and every throw he made, I think from the middle of the third quarter on, you could see him just grab his side and almost fall down. And yet he played the whole game and they came back and on the road beat UCLA. This kid is, is so much fun to watch. He is tough as nails. You know, obviously not a high, high level talent in terms of throwing the ball, but, You know, this is the kind of kid you're going to love to have in your quarterback room. And who knows what happens down the road because these are the kinds of kids you don't want to count out.
2: Interesting. I like it. I like when there's a guy like this that you are really high on. A couple of veteran players in the news that I wanted to get your thoughts on, Greg, before I let you go today. Um, Carson Wentz, speaking of getting let go, got let go by Washington. At this stage of his career, Greg, what is he? What can he be? And I guess, how do we get here? How, how yeah. do we get to this point? It's kind of remarkable.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, my sense is, and I had this conversation with a coach, that Carson Wentz's career might be over because he's not going to be signed as a starting quarterback. Um, the feeling is um, that he does not really have the mindset to be a backup, that he's not – You know, you you always hear coaches, Ross, and you know this from playing. You always hear coaches talk about the room with every position. We want our room to be good. There's the belief that Carson Wentz does not enhance a quarterback room um, for whatever reason. You know, I don't get into the personal stuff and all that, but it's very possible that his career could be over. You know, the thing is with Wentz is... In many ways, he hasn't improved. We saw a player back in 2017 with high-level talent, could make throws, could move around, but there were certain things as his career progressed that you know he needed to improve on overall, and just never really took that next step. And it became difficult to play him, um, and there were too many negative plays. And you know, like I said, it's very possible his career could be over.
2: Um. Another quarterback that got released is Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Um, he strikes me as a guy, Greg, that could be a good backup for people. You know, especially if you've got a quarterback that's mobile. And I do think, you know, because he's been in that role, I think he would accept that. And I think he would be probably a pretty good backup.
1: Yeah. And I think he'd be a good guy in a quarterback room from what I've been told. Um, so I think he will sign somewhere. And I think, look, if you had to play him like – uh Atlanta did last year, you can line up and play with him. Um, Obviously he's not a starter. He won't be thought of as, Hey, we're going to get him and he's going to be our starter. But I would think if he wants to continue playing football, that he will be signed and he will be signed as a backup. And if you had to play him, depending on the rest of your team and your offensive approach and what kind of defense you have, you can line up. Look, look at last year in Atlanta, they were a competitive team, Ross. And then, you know, obviously Mariota is not a top level high level quarterback in this league, but you can line up and play and be competitive. And Atlanta was competitive.
2: Without question. Last guy I wanted to ask you about Kenny Galladay. You know, I mean, he got a lot of money for a reason, Greg, uh, because of what he did in Detroit did nothing with the New York Giants. What do you think happened there, and what do you think he has? Don't know what
1: happened, uh, but as you know, when you saw him in Detroit with Matthew Stafford, he looked like one of those big, physical, competitive boundary X receivers that every team wants, that you can line up in three-by-one sets, and you can say, hey, you can win. And he could win with his size, with his catching ability. I don't know what happened. Something went wrong that we don't know because we were not there. But he certainly in Detroit looked like that guy. Had a great conversation with a wide receivers coach last night who talked about the absolute importance of having a boundary X receiver who can win. Because with the proliferation of three-by-one sets and the way defenses are now matching the trip side with a lot of zone and taking that boundary safety and making him part of the coverage to the trip side is you need an alpha dog boundary X There's not that many of them around. There's probably none in this draft. But Galladay looked like he was somewhat that guy in Detroit. And I'm sure when the Giants signed him, they thought, hey, that's what we're getting. And for whatever reason, Ross, it never turned out.
2: Check him out on social media at Greg Cosell. Can't wait to talk with you next week, Greg, with some more notes and nuggets from your time at the Combine. Thank you so much for coming on from Indy.
1: Hey, thanks, Ross. Always look forward to it. Appreciate it.
2: Always look forward to talking with Greg, just like I always look forward to cracking a Labatt Blue Light. Might have to have a couple of those bad boys today on my 44th birthday. Yeah, I am that guy that tells you that. Well, listen, I talk about Labat Blue every show. I got to figure out a different way to talk to you guys about it. So tonight, celebrate my birthday. I'm going to have a couple of Labatt Blue Lights with my family. Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer, Labat USA. Priceline. Work.
0: Tux takes. All right, Ross. We'll start with ex NFL groundskeeper George Toma saying the Super Bowl field was overwatered.
2: I think it's Toma. Toma. I think it's Toma. Yeah. I'll let that one go. You probably shouldn't need to know the name of a groundskeeper, um, but <clears throat> you know, I guess my question is, how does that happen? How does it happen that it's overwatered? Like, I, I, I don't understand that at all. You know, you'd think that they would have this nailed down at this point. But obviously, it can't be that easy. I am not a uh, horticulturist myself. So I'm not out here to criticize people because I obviously don't know what I'm talking about and have no idea how something like that would happen. Duck Steaks.
0: Aaron Rodgers has yet to make a decision despite coming out of his darkness retreat.
2: Well, first of all, I would be shocked if he doesn't play football this year. I think it goes against human nature to turn down $60 million guaranteed for five months of work. $60 million for 17 games. I'd be shocked if he retired and honestly just based on Brian Gutekunst the Packers GM's comments it seems pretty clear that the Packers are kind of ready to move on so what is Rodgers really deciding at this point it feels like Rodgers is deciding whether or not he's more or less going to stick it to the Packers and make them keep him and play him even though they don't want to anymore Packers pretty clearly want to pass it on to Jordan Love, trade Rodgers. I think from all the comments, all the stuff you hear, all the reports, that's pretty clear. And Aaron Rodgers has to decide now if he wants to go somewhere else because they're not gonna, nobody's going to trade for him unless he wants to go somewhere else, right? He might just say to the Packers, nope, I want to play there. And I don't think they would be happy about it. And they'd have to suck it up And restructure his contract somehow, and have Rogers be their quarterback again. It's a fascinating, fascinating situation. Tuck's takes. An arrest warrant has been issued for George offensive lineman Jalen Carter for reckless
0: driving and racing, and a crash that took the life of teammate and a former staffer.
2: Awful, awful. Um, He's not talking at the combine as a result of this. You know, the police report indicated that they were racing and that the guy he was racing against had been drinking and uh, just terrible. His other teammate, Nolan Smith, broke down at the combine yesterday when he was asked about it. Just a horrible, horrible situation. And Greg said it earlier in the show. Some teams are really going to have to make a decision as to, you know, what they want to do with Jalen Carter
0: takes. Seahawks starting center Austin Blight retires after seven years and starting all 17 games last season.
2: That's a little surprising to me, right? I mean, I think he's 30 years old. He's a little bit older, but played seven years, started every game last year, just going to retire. He's a free agent, I think. So you'd think he would get pretty darn good money. So you never know, you know, maybe it's a hits to the head thing, or maybe it's orthopedic, or maybe just doesn't have the desire to put in the work, which is totally understandable to play at a really high level. All of those things are um, perfectly acceptable. I don't know if we'll have time or not, uh, Jack, for an email, but I want to make sure we at least get the winners out this week. So let's do it, Mike Singletary. I want winners. I want people that want to win. So do I, Mike. So do I. Here are just some of the press passes I have that are so awesome. And if you look at it, if you watch the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, you can actually see me showing them to you. Rams-Cardinals playoff game from when the Rams won the Super Bowl. Rams-Cardinals playoff game from the sideline pass when they won the Super Bowl. I've got a sideline pass to the Rams-Bucks game from Mike Golick. How about my Super Bowl press pass from this year, which is awesome. Eagles-Giants divisional round press pass, which is sweet. Eagles-Niners NFC championship game press pass, as I just dropped it and picked it up. Uh, Then I've got Bills-Bengals. Playoff pass. I've got my Eagles season pass, which is just awesome. Bills, Dolphins, then all kinds of awesome college ones. Akron, Eastern Michigan, UNLV, San Diego State, FAU, Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Dolphins, Eagles, Browns, Yale, UConn, Houston, UConn. That's the Clayton Toon game from the year before. So I got a bunch of great press passes. Um, I hope you guys... Try to enter some of these contests and win some of them. The winners this week include Nicholas Fox. Nicholas did so many things, Jack. I lost track. He really did. Where did you see that email? I'm trying to. I don't. I think is he the one that did like a bunch of reviews? Is that he the one? rated and reviewed like every show, every place you could possibly do it. He followed on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. I mean, Nicholas, Nicholas made it so it wasn't even a discussion, honestly. Like, Nicholas just blew everybody else out of the water. So, Nicholas, email me, ross at rosstucker.com. Let me know what, um, let me know what press pass you would like or if you'd rather have a signed picture or card. Scott Twos is our sponsor confirmation email winner. T E W S just sent me a picture of him drinking a Labatt blue. How easy is that? How easy is that? You're welcome, Scott. Uh, let me know what you'd like. And then the YouTube shout out is Matthew Mullen. He replied to one of the videos at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL after subscribing and said, I'm really here for the shout out, Ross. I love it. That counts. Awesome. Awesome work. Email me, guys, and um, next week, let me know. Start to uh, start to hit me up with next week's winners already. Uh, I'll tell you on Monday how you can win the Spread the Word winner, but sponsor confirmation email winner is easy. Just go to the sponsor page at rawstuckercom We post it pretty much with every episode. Or the YouTube shout-out is easy. YouTube.com slash nfl. Loving when we get new patrons, by the way. It's been a while. Patreon.com. Slash RT Media. You can even be an I think we're done here member of Patreon.com slash RT Media and get a shout out for your biz at the end of every show. Like Pizza Boy Brewing, Sporticulture, Humanheadnyc.com, Steakhouse Go-Bangles.com, Evergreen Economics, Backoffice Scheduler.com, and the greatest gift you can give anyone for any reason including their birthday, hint, hint, a story all about them, the front page treatment at myfrontpagestory.com. Have an awesome, awesome weekend, everybody. We will be back bright and early Monday morning with the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and the College Draft Podcast. I think we're done here.